This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. It is not intended to cause or induce breach of an existing agency agreement. The goal of this podcast since day one is to provide the best information on the Vancouver real estate market at no cost to you, the listeners. To that end, we'd like to thank the following sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by Marcon, a local family-owned and managed real estate development and construction company that's been around for nearly four decades. Marcon is not only committed to high-quality construction, but it also is making a positive impact in the communities in which it builds all across the Lower Mainland. We want to highlight two incredible Marcon projects. Elmwood, a 38-story tower located at Burquitlam's most important intersection, Como Lake Avenue and Clark Road. This landmark tower will feature 335 condominiums, over 37,000 square feet of office and retail space, and almost 20,000 square feet of amenity space. Elmwood has been incredibly popular with 80% sold currently, but they still have a great selection of junior one-bedroom all the way to three-bedroom homes remaining. Check out markon.ca slash Elmwood for more. And Matt, we are also excited about Sone House, Markon's newest community in West Coquitlam. With 165 homes ranging from junior one beds to three beds, Sone House offers the perfect West Coast aesthetic with a more nuanced Nordic-inspired design. Register today at markon.ca slash Sonehouse. That's S-O-E-N-H-A-U-S. Or you can learn more at markon.ca or follow them at Instagram at markonhomes. Markon, building for life. Hello? 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 This is the Vancouver Weather State Podcast. And welcome back to Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Scalina. And I'm your host, Matt Scalina. And Matt, it's uh, it's probably clear to the listeners that we sound like uh, you're on the phone. I'm in the studio. Um, right now, I'm in Vancouver. You, on the other hand, are what? You're you're on an island close to Kokomo. What's it called? Rying Mountain National Park. <laughs> yeah, it's in uh, Manitoba. It's, it's, a quick, it's, it's a quick ferry to Kokomo. It's a quick yeah, ferry. Yeah. Uh, and I understand it's it's smoky there uh, as well. It actually hasn't gotten smoky yet in uh, in Vancouver, but obviously it's uh, forest fire season. It's been a it's been a really rough stretch here the past few weeks. Lots of fires in the interior. Um, how how are things in Manitoba? You know what? It's funny. I I thought a couple of years ago when it was really smoky in Vancouver in August that we'd be you know, sort of rearranging vacation plans around smoke season moving forward. And uh, it turns out I was actually, it's not smoky today, but in Winnipeg, maybe three, four days ago, you couldn't even see your hand in front of your face. It was so smoky. I think there's, there's a lot of forest fires burning in northern Ontario, eastern Manitoba. I don't know about Saskatchewan, but uh, yeah, not good. Hard to escape this stuff. And uh, yeah, it, it puts a damper on on, on my Kokomo trip. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, here, here's the thing. Um, before we get to today's program, a couple, a couple things, uh, some housekeeping. One is that the last two episodes that we released were episodes that were revisited. So 
One thing we didn't do and we just actually caught is we didn't make mention at the intro that these were previously recorded episodes. So if you are thinking back to last week and some of our market conversations didn't sound very accurate, it's probably because, you know, it was, it was 2019. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, we'll, we'll, we'll make a note of that. And then uh, the second thing uh, we should make note of is we've got a fantastic episode today. We've got Sean Galway. He is the Director of Regional Planning and Electoral Area Services. They just recently at Metro Vancouver... For Metro Vancouver. Yeah, for Metro Vancouver. And and, and just recently at Metro Vancouver, they updated um, Metro 2040, which is now Metro 20, Vancouver 2050. It is basically a, a, a report about the growth in the region over the next uh, 30 years or so, covering housing, industry, employment, transportation, and the environment. Um, it really runs the whole spectrum for Metro Vancouver, and it's a really exciting report to to dive into. Yeah, I think this is exciting for for a number of reasons. One, I mean, we talk about what type of demographic trends to look for if you're interested in purchasing real estate for yourself or for investment in a region. Right. This is a type of document you're looking for, but also just for people who live in Vancouver. I mean, this is the projections over the next 30 years that are going to lead to the type of strategies implemented across the region in terms of growth, handling growth, infrastructure. So it's just a really interesting document. And, and I wasn't there for the, the conversation, but I know it's, uh, I know it sounds like it was an exciting conversation with Sean. Yeah, really enjoyed the conversation. A million new residents coming to the Metro Vancouver area by 2050. So there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of things to consider when you're drafting a report like this. And right now it's kind of in its feedback loop. It's uh, been put out to the general public to comment on that. And Sean actually uh, gives us a link to where you can go and, and share your ideas on the report and on the future of uh, of the region. Um, one thing I will say, though, is I had just actually had my second shot of uh, the Pfizer vaccine like the day before we recorded this interview, and we had had this interview in the books for a while. So long story short, uh, if you if if you hear a thud or some slurring, there was a moment where I was off my chair. There was some crying in the background. I was I was not in a good uh, I was not in a great headspace. I was a little sick uh, that day uh, while recording. So, anyways, just a just a just a note. <laughs> right on. Well, what else do we got before we cut to our talk with Sean Adam? A few things. One is we are sponsored this week by Oakland Realty. Right. This is our brokerage, best brokerage in town. Head over to oakland.com/slash/join. Type in VRP2020. That is oakwind.com slash join, type in VRP2020. This is, of course, for new agents, aspiring agents, people uh, in the real estate industry looking to make a change, the culture, um, the energy over at Oakland. It's, it's, a, it's a fantastic place to be. You want to meet up with Michael Morgan and the gang to learn more. Oakland.com slash VRP2020. Yeah, Matt. And also we should say that Aqua, um, Aqua Waterfront Village is launching this weekend Wow, what an overwhelming uh, uh, response to that project in Kelowna. This is in Kelowna, um, right? Yeah, yeah, in Kelowna, and it's uh, it's a pretty. I mean, if you know, we had John Friesen from Mission Group on the program a few weeks back. This is a, a super interesting project, and if you look at the renditions, um, I think they're on our site as well, uh, VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. 
it, it's pretty spectacular what they're doing. And it's unbelievable how many people have registered for this project. It sounds like they're going to have a, a really good response. And uh, I would imagine uh, units are not going to be hanging around very long. That's right. Uh, yeah, well, uh, last but not least, um, you know, kind of joking about the, the smoke here. Of course, there's, uh, I know in the interior, there's tons of, uh, tons of people smoked out. A lot of people evacuated. So we're thinking about uh, everybody across the province. Uh, hopefully this gets under control uh, in terms of the wildfires uh, raging in D.C. But um, yeah, maybe we should cut to our talk with Sean Galloway. It's a timely and appropriate program to think about the future of Vancouver right now. It feels like there's, uh, especially right now with the forest fires, it feels like there's a lot um, that's at stake uh, in <laughs> in the region, um, and probably getting uh, it right. Yeah, and it's uh, you know it, it uh, in 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 the province as well. So it's it's good to definitely be thinking about these things. And uh, this is a fantastic episode with Sean. Enjoy. Okay, so we're here with Sean Galloway, Director of Regional Planning and Electoral Area Services for Metro Vancouver. How are you doing, Sean? Not too bad, mate. Uh, doing good, thanks. Thanks a lot for taking the time today. Hey, no problem, no problem. Can Can you maybe start by telling our listeners a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so i um, been with the Metro Vancouver government for over a year now uh, in the role I'm, I'm currently in. I'm an urban planner who I've spent most of my career in Australia, Ontario, and now BC, uh, working at the local government level as a development planner, long-range planner, uh, and I'm trained in urban design and urban planning. So wide variety of uh, uh, activities I've taken over my career um, and uh, um, now in this current role, helping to guide the regional growth strategy and uh, and other larger regional aspects. So, so a lot of our listeners will be familiar with the, the various municipalities in the lower mainland. How does, how does the Metro Vancouver kind of tie in to that? Well, Metro Vancouver is kind of the regional, uh, uh, regional government for, the, for all of the municipalities. And I say kind of because it's a federation, it's a cooperation and, uh, BC has a long history, particularly the Vancouver region, of um, a collaborative form, a consensus building form of government between the regional level and the uh, and the local, I'll call it the local level for lack of a better term. And so the regional growth strategy is that tie-in document to deal with the regional issues that go beyond many municipalities' borders, like transit, for example. Transit and land use piece together because that's not specific to one municipality. That's a a transit investment goes through many municipalities and has land use implications across the greater region. So part of the reason we wanted to have you on today is to discuss Metro 2050. Um, This was obviously a a document uh, or a report, I should say, that was released in June 2021. It sounds like you're in kind of the, the feedback loop kind of stage of the document, if I understand correctly. Can you start by maybe telling us a little bit about Metro 2050? Sure. Uh, Well, Metro 2050 is the regional growth strategy. Um, That's just the nice name for it. And uh, it's it's really built off uh, Metro 2040, uh, which was the 
the regional growth strategy that was uh, approved in 2011 and 2011-2012. Prior to that, it was the livable region strategy, which many listeners may uh, may know of or may know about, um, which guided the region since the mid-90s. And so 2050, this is not a rewrite of the regional growth strategy. This is an update. And in 2011-2012, things like social equity, climate change, uh, uh, housing as a, where housing is today is not the same uh, when that plan was produced. So we've taken an opportunity to look at what's going on in the region, where we can uh, do updates and build policies that can deal with some of these issues uh, that have emerged since the previous plan was passed. And then, of course, uh, the other opportunity at this time is the link with Transport 2050, which is TransLink's regional transportation plan and and ensuring that those two documents are aligned as, as we move forward since they're doing a wholesale rewrite of their transportation plan. Right, right. And maybe just thinking of kind of like broad strokes uh, when you're when you're revisiting a report like this, what are what are some of the biggest challenges facing Metro Vancouver? Um, well, certainly uh, there's lots of growth, and, um, and and by lots of growth, you know we we take on about fifteen percent of the immigration that comes to Canada, and there's lots of interprovincial growth towards the Metro Vancouver region. And so accommodating uh, this growth, we get about 35,000 people per year. So we'll grow by a million, shade over a million uh, by 2050. Uh, So we'll be sitting close to 4 million people, 3.8 million people um, by 2050. And so, uh, you know, that's the biggest thing. How do we accommodate this and how do we deal with those issues related to housing affordability, where do we put the transport infrastructure to deal with some of this growth? And, you know, from the other design side, certainly there's the perspective of the, how do these neighborhoods positively change? There's, there's going to be changed neighborhoods as this growth comes. It can't all be in new places or greenfield growth, as it were. And so working with the members to understand where that growth is going to happen and how we can plan for it adequately and ensure that the right infrastructure is there to support it over the longer term and allow adaptation of, of places will be the important piece. Right, right. And how do you come up with the projections and how accurate are they? Well, we have a team, a uh, planning analytics team, who uh, pulls it together. The last data I saw uh, on our accuracy, because um, this question came up a couple of weeks ago, is that we've been roughly within a 5% margin. Uh, in some instances, we've been maybe 1% off the actual per- projections. And it's a methodology, It's a, with, without boring the listeners, it's a cohort, what they call the cohort model. Uh, and I'm not as strong on it as, as the planning analytics manager who does this full-time for a living. But as an approach where we take census data, uh, we analyze trends, and we take the trends data and we go back and analyze what's happened in the census, and we see trends of growth. We take local municipal data, and then we work with the municipalities because we produce population projections for each municipality. But we're doing something different in Metro 2050, so I'll get to that in a sec. But basically, we take that information from the munis as well, their OCPs, zoning, 
And we put all that information together to get the projections for each municipality. Now this year, this time around, Metro 2050, we're taking a different approach rather than doing every muni, every municipality projection. We're actually grouping them into subregions, and this will help to align our population projections with TransLink's service areas, our own uh, utility servicing areas like water, liquid waste, water. So that'll help in the longer term planning. And the other bit is the numbers that you see in the current regional growth strategy are from 2011. And of course, all those numbers have changed now over 10 years. And so putting numbers in a static document is very hard to amend the document. We're, we're now moving to this kind of sub-regional approach that will give uh, a, a better longevity to the numbers. Right, right. So um, maybe in kind of thinking about, I guess there's the projection that over the next 30 years, we're going to be seeing approximately a million new residents. Um, that's going to require 500,000 housing units and 500,000 additional jobs. Where, where do you see most growth happening in the region? Um, well, it's always, uh, it's always a tough question. I mean, uh, you know, obviously Surrey and Vancouver, based on the projections and, and uh, take on a, a good portion and Coquitlam also takes on a fair bit Richmond. I mean, it, it is somewhat sprinkled a- around and it comes down to preferences, you know, um, and what will be interesting is we'll see how COVID impacts that from the remote working home office side. But, you know, there'll be a lot of immigration into Canada and we'll take a portion of that. And they tend to, immigrants tend to locate in more urban areas and then there'll be greenfield growth. So um, it's it's a combination. I mean, right now the plan uh, looks to push 55% or 50 to 55% of growth into the centers and corridors. And we're going to be doing an update to those numbers after the regional growth strategy goes through its adoption process. But again, we're trying to strike this balance of growth in the centers to support transit and use our infrastructure in the, mo- the most cost-effective way and understanding that some of that outside of those centers will still be in fill and then there'll be greenfield growth. So it's really a whole combination of, of growth types that uh, will occur across the region. Okay. And in, in terms of, um, from the report, is there is there one takeaway that you think was surprising specifically about about the region and, and where we're, the direction that we're heading? Um, you know, I think if we were doing a rewrite, there would probably be some more surprising things um, because we're only updating. I don't think there wasn't anything really surprising Uh to be truthful, uh, you know, the growth is still continuing. I, I think if we, uh, which I don't think is a byproduct of this plan, but the interesting bit is we did it during COVID. Right. <laughs> and so I think that would probably be the most interesting bit because you had all the, I'll call them experts with some air quotes around them, but you had a lot of people predicting what they thought the future would be after COVID. And the population, because everything slowed down, there was this thought that population-wise and growth-wise, we just slow down. And really, did we slow down? Yes, we slowed down a little bit, but it was, it was still within our normal range. We have this 15% range of on the population projections. It was well within that range. And of course, if the federal government expands the immigration uh, totals, then 
you know, it's a million people, maybe not in 2050, but 2053. So COVID hasn't had, um, on the population side in particular, hasn't had the, I think the impact everyone was expecting. We're still continuing to move at the pace or relatively close to the pace uh, that we were pre-COVID. Right. And, and in thinking about COVID, like in that same vein, did COVID or did the, the current state of, I mean, writing the report or, or updating the report during a pandemic, did that influence uh, any, any other decisions during the process? Uh, no, I mean, I think the fact of the matter is the economics of city building, irrespective of COVID, still remain the same. You still have to build pipe. Pipe has to go out somewhere. Pipe still costs the same, though arguably, given the shortage uh, of resource materials and other things, uh, in some respects, i.e. like lumber, um, right. you know, uh, some of the costs may have gone up and We'll see if that eventually comes back down and levels out again once the resource element gets uh, the equilibrium gets worked out there. But the cost of city building is still the same. You know, greenfield costs more to deliver in terms of services because of the lower densities, and you know the higher density mixed neighborhoods still cost less to deliver services because you can uh, extrapolate the service delivery over more people. So. Uh, you know, all of that remains the same. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't think COVID, the biggest thing will be the remote working. I mean, we'll see where that, uh, how that plays out. I don't think anyone really knows. You have everybody saying from, yeah, we'll come back to the office to know it's going to be permanent. I hear a lot of talk about hybrid models right now, and we'll see how long or how that works out and how long that may work out and what may eventuate from that. Uh, so I think that will be the largest impact because that may change people's living habits, which ultimately have impacts on transit delivery and other such uh, infrastructure delivery. If that eventuates into a full, for example, into a full-time remote working situation. Right, right. You know, I mean, it seems like a lot of the conversations that, that people have in Vancouver around um, frustrations with the region kind of start and end in many ways around housing and affordability what are some of the biggest pain points in the report and what are going to be some of the biggest pain points, I guess, moving forward around, around housing? Yeah. Well, as you rightly point out, affordability, uh, you know, is, is, is the biggest piece. And I think uh, one of the big policy areas coming out of the, out of the plan. And I think, you know, full disclosure, the plan has not been adopted. So this is just the first draft out for comment. We don't know where these policies will go. Some of these will get axed because they won't meet certain tests. Uh, some of them will be possibly enhanced. And then, of course, <laughs> some of them may turn out to be a compromise, uh, which probably means uh, nobody will understand what the policy is supposed to do. But um, just kidding. But the uh, <laughs> um, but, but at any rate, you get the picture. There's going to be change to these policies. But right now, there's a... Uh, aspirational policy of 15% affordable housing around uh, rapid transit stations. I think that's um, that's a big one. Now that's a cross regional policy, so that's not to say every municipality has to deliver 15%. Um, that's uh, you know, obviously in in some areas the market is more adept at doing that than in other areas of the region. And so, but we 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 need to take a, a it's not a number that's in the plan now, um, and so we need to take a first step on that. And I think also 
the policies around the centers and corridors. We've created a new tool called the Major Transit Growth Corridor. Uh, and these are opportunities. This is looking at kickstarting planning at the local level uh, or, or looking where there's opportunities at the local level to undertake some further planning work and look at where we have this transit infrastructure investment and where we can uh, look at opportunities to focus growth over the longer term in these corridors where that infrastructure investment has happened. And that could help to alleviate some of the pressures as well. Right. So in, in your opinion, does Vancouver become an easier place to live over the next few decades or, or a more challenging one? Uh, in terms of affordability or in terms of moving around or all the whole, the the whole, whole, bag. The whole bag, I think, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that's the goal certainly is to, is to look, is to ensure that life gets easier um, amongst other things. And, you know, trying to, I mean, the biggest, piece here is and and the province has been very focused on this as well and why we're working so closely with TransLink is to to build that link between land use and, and, and transport. And it's not just about moving people, it's also about moving goods. And so we have, you know, trying to make sure we have uh, the ability to get industrial land, both access to industrial land for people to access jobs. Um because one of the big equity pieces to this is public transit. Public transit is a huge tool about building high quality uh, social equity because uh, it starts at the foundation of getting people access to jobs. So how do we connect our industrial areas to public transit, make sure that the goods in those areas can be moved? You know, as you probably are aware, or many people are aware, I mean, we already have a we're significant shortage of industrial land or you know, industrial land is also getting eaten away by more profitable land uses like residential. So trying to ensure we protect our industrial land is, is going to be really important moving forward. And then getting the housing around our rapid transit facilities is going to be the, the other big piece. And I think all of those pieces will help to create an easier region to live in. It's not going to be the panacea, but it's certainly... Uh, it's certainly a step in the right direction. In thinking about your past, Sean, as a planner, you've lived around the world and now you're looking at kind of the whole region. Do you have a municipality that you're kind of really excited about or, or one that kind of piques your interest over the others? I can never play favorites. Uh, <laughs> the, <laughs> I think I think a lot of municipalities are doing um, some, some great things. Um, my, my previous municipality of North Vancouver is a good eclectic mix of urban density and I, I know Coquitlam's trying to do the same thing uh, with the reinvention of uh, Coquitlam Center. You know, there's many municipalities that have good downtown cores that they, they can work off of like Poco and, uh, and, and Richmond's trying to build that as well. Uh, Delta has Ladner. So lots of, and of course, Vancouver has many different little main streets to build off of, Oak Ridge Mall, but uh, those in the west uh, the west side of the city. So I think all of them have potential and all of them are ready to go in terms of building off their core strengths. But getting that mix, I mean, I'm not, I don't think I'm speaking out of turn when I say we know that the, the strongest neighborhoods is not endemic to Vancouver, but right across 
the world, the strongest neighborhoods are the ones with the mix of density. Those are the ones that last the test of time. They go through pandemics, they go through financial crisis, and they they generally survive as strong and survive because you have that mix of density. People can live there in their neighborhoods, law age in place, and and um, build their strong social connections in those neighborhoods because they don't. It's not like you've got a you know you're young and single and you can live in an apartment and then you decide to have a family and have a partner and then you got to move out of that neighborhood to go to another neighborhood to get a single family house or a townhouse or a duplex or whatever. And then, you know, kids leave and now you're an empty nester, but you don't need that big house anymore. And now you move to your third neighborhood. You lose all your social capital. So, um, you know, trying to get those neighborhoods with that mix of density is going to be really important. And I'm just, you know, thinking about the interplay between Metro and, and each municipality how much influence does Metro have on creating density or, or creating supply? Well, it's, it's a mix. Certainly the local level is, is the key driver. They, they manage the zoning, the zoning bylaws and the OCPs. And really for, for Metro, Metro is about, there's some larger bits in terms of uh, utility investment. And, and then of course, in our partnership with TransLink, uh, transit investment, and so those will be important drivers of of, of density uh, through those investments. And then uh, we take an aspirational approach, like the 15% I was talking about, and we have targets around uh, in the plan, targets around growth in centers and corridors, and and so I think those are helpful tools to get the density conversation started, and and working with the local municipalities to help with their with their zoning tools and, and of course they manage that that part directly so you know I, I wouldn't say it's direct influence but certainly we encourage we convene the partners together to to encourage and and move the yardsticks on that conversation right are there are there cities that you look to for for inspiration yeah I mean it's always tough uh, each city is is unique, but uh, of course, Portland, Seattle are, are great examples. Toronto's doing some good things. Ottawa certainly doing some good things. As many European cities, the Scandinavian cities always seem to knock it out of the park. Oslo, Stockholm, um, uh, Helsinki, always, particularly on the environmental side, always uh, pushing the uh, pushing the boundaries. And, and New Zealand and Australia, obviously, uh, Auckland and Melbourne in particular are all doing um, doing great things. So, yeah, I mean, you can take little snippets out of each and then you got to try to manipulate it to your particularly local context or regional context and the legislation that you work in, not to get into boring uh, government legislation. But certainly every city, there's, there's something going on, right? And uh, it's about taking the principles from those things and then looking at how you can apply those principles in your local or regional context. Right. And, and I, was, I was just thinking back to before we, before we went live here, uh, we, we were having a conversation about forest fires. Obviously we just got out of, or we're getting out of a, a, a heat wave. Um, lots of concerns right now around climate change and, and the environment overall. In what ways does the report address, uh, I guess, moving forward and, and, and kind of lessening the, the, the carbon footprint? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And uh, so a, cu- a couple of things. First off, uh, we're uh, looking 
I'll call it two planks. One in terms of new policies that we're, we put into the plan. One is about convening and building a natural hazards mapping tool to support local municipalities to understand the natural hazards and where we can begin to create protections around those hazards. Um, and I know hazard sounds like an alarming word. It's not, they're not all bad places. They're just areas of environmental sensitivity and, and trying to understand uh, where the, the issues lie. Obviously, one of the big is flooding. Uh, that would be a big natural hazard area, as an example. And so um, it, it, we're looking at, we've put a policy in there to kickstart some actions around mapping and creating a tool set uh, to ensure that we have a common understanding of that across the region. The other big one is the You'll hear the word SEI, um, and for those of you playing at home, uh, that's the sensitive environmental inventory. And so we've put a map in there. This is the other big kind of policy area. Put a map in there around sensitive lands, and we're going to do an update to that after the RGS. First step is get the map in to see if it gets through the adoption process. And then once that's in, We'll then work with the local municipalities to update that and then create some further policy uh, in terms of protecting that so that we can create uh, wildlife linkages and create uh, lands that can help us manage some of these environmental concerns. On top of that, we also, uh, in the urban centers area, we threw in some elements around urban design, which will certainly help in terms of green buildings and things associated with that. Coupled with that, the Metro is doing the clean, um, their climate 2050 uh, work, and that plan is linking in. I mean, last uh, 2019, sorry, not last year, but 2019, we put GHG targets in the plan, which all of the member municipalities bought into and so we'll be continuing to work towards those those targets in in reduction and with climate 2050 they offer further tools around transportation where we can improve our ghg emissions related transportation green buildings and and land use can we talk just a little bit about like i throughout the report a lot of it seems to be centered around kind of creating a, a compact urban area why is it so important to have like a, um, I know you, one of the things you touched on was a lot of the uh, new immigrants uh, will, will want to be moving to these urban environments, but why in your mind is it is it so powerful to have these kind of compact areas where people live? Uh, yeah, great question. That's, that, that's the heart of urban, could be arguably called the heart of urban planning, um, <laughs> not just in Vancouver, but anywhere is the, is the compact urban farm. Well, I think the biggest thing is it's just a pure numbers game in terms of cost. Uh, having the compact urban form is important. We know it costs 10 times as much roughly to service a greenfield area as it does to serve a uh, mixed density urban area. So from our infrastructure cost side, it's it's a cost savings. And if you want to get into it, I can talk about some of the work I, uh, I did in London, Ontario related to sure. the cost savings, um, which, you know, is just astronomical when you uh, consider it all. So there's the cost savings, and then there's the health bit. By creating these more compact places, we create these more walkable places. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying the car is gone and we need to get rid of the car, but it's about providing transportation options. And so this connection between walkability, creating more healthy 
the last stat I, stat I saw was, you know, uh, our urban forum, particularly in the more greenfield areas, you know, the people are about 10 to 15 pounds heavier in those areas. And uh, that extrapolates out to a, a cost of an extra $120 million annually on our healthcare system um, related to obesity and other forms. Wow. So, you know, those those are big numbers. And, and, and so the compact of reform is cost savings in terms of our health provisions, but even beyond the numbers, just from pure physical health is is good. And then we have the the protection of our agricultural land. Like we're not producing more agricultural land. Um, we can all get our salads from California if we want, but that you know that isn't the freshest salad you've ever had. And mm-hmm. and so you know you have some really great agricultural land out there, and that agricultural land continues to dwindle across Canada. And so the protection of that's going to be important in creating our food systems. And we did a food systems report in early 2020, I guess, or not early. It came out in roughly June or July. And I stand to be corrected on this number, but I think it's around 70 to 80% of the food goes through Vancouver that goes into the province of British Columbia. I mean, it's just a massive amount, and certainly our agricultural lands play a key role in that delivery. And so that's the other important uh, piece, if those are the three prongs. Uh, and of course, our, our, from a climate perspective, the agricultural lands play a really great role in, in sinking carbon and heat and, and all of those other things to help reduce some of the impacts of, of climate change. So. Those are probably the big prongs as to why the compact urban form is most important. Uh, but, you know, the biggest thing, or the, oh, sorry, the last bit relative to health would be the aging in place bit I talked about earlier. So from a mental health perspective, huge, huge benefit there. So those would be the big the big reasons why you, the, the compact urban form is, uh, is important. Right. Oh, that's great. Well, the other thing... Um you know, that, that stood out to me was like the sustainable transportation choices. And we've talked a little bit about them, but can we talk a little bit about the future of TransLink, SkyTrain, connectability, uh, multimodal transportation, just kind of some of the highlights maybe from the report? Sure. I I mean, TransLink, uh, and I don't want to speak on their behalf, so they really drive the the transit and and investment side. And, And our job is about supporting our members or municipalities and member jurisdictions and getting houses and units around. I was going to say ridership, but I don't want to call it ridership because transit isn't really about riders. Transit's about structuring cities and supporting riderships, just kind of a byproduct of that. And so it's really about structuring neighborhoods and informing growth. I mean, one of the biggest things, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen an old map of all the streetcar routes in Vancouver and North Vancouver. But if you looked at a map today, I bet you, you could pick them all out. And they're all primarily the areas where you have linear retail corridors, like Main Street, for example. Those are all old streetcar routes. And that shows you the connection between land use and transit. And, and that's a really important piece. And SkyTrain plays a similar role, though it's more intense because you have a lot of big infrastructure related to that. And so... They've put out, uh, they being TransLink, have put out the major transit network, and that was something we worked with TransLink on to create this major transit network. For those of you who are very familiar with the previous plan, they had a frequent transit network, which was serviced at a 15-minute level. But what I think one of the great moves forward here is 
getting to the major transit network because now we're beginning to structure the region around this transit network that gets a little bit beyond bus. Bus is still an important feature, but um, gets us honed in on these major corridors. And then that's supported by the major transit growth corridor, which we uh, you'll see in the 2050 plan as a recommendation to start beginning to support that link between land use and, and transit. Oh, that's fascinating. Well, well, maybe we'll leave it there, Sean, but we do have this uh, quick segment called the Five Wire, five lighthearted questions to kind of end the show. Um, can you stick around for that? I certainly can. Okay, so question number one is, what is your favorite bar or restaurant in Vancouver? Oh, boy, uh, tough go, but uh, it's actually on the North Shore, and I'll give props to, I know it's a chain, so please don't hurt me, but... Uh, <laughs> I'll give Top and Barrel the uh, on the North Shore in the shipyards uh, a, a two thumbs up. Oh, that's a great one. Because uh, they converted a nice heritage building. It's very beautiful. Uh, <laughs> nice. That's a good one. We haven't had that one yet. Favorite band or song? Oh, favorite band or song. Well, I'm an 80s nut, uh, so I love 80s music. So, um, When in Rome by The Promise. Probably your listeners will have to dig into that one. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're building a mix from this podcast, <laughs> so we'll, we'll, we'll be nice. adding that to it. Um, what is one book that you'd recommend to anyone listening? The Perfect City by Joe Barrich. Joe's a consultant from Toronto. Uh, runs Urban Stride. He's a very intelligent man, but uh, he's traveled the world as a consultant, and he writes about the various aspects of cities across the world and has lots of great information. Ah. I had a feeling it was going to be a planning book, but that's uh, that's a good one. Uh, Sorry, Calvin and Hobbes? Is that what you yeah, want yeah. to go with? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, what is one piece of advice that you'd give your 18-year-old self? Oh, stick with it. There's going to be good times. There's going to be bad times. But just stick with it. That's great advice for the last uh, year and a half, too, I think. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> overall, um, what is something that you've bought? And this is the last question something that you've bought in the last year or two for under $1,500 that's had a positive effect on your life? I am going to say a stand up paddleboard. Oh, nice. Yeah. Where, and, and are you close to water where you live or, or do you drive with it? Uh, yeah, no, I, I, uh, I live on the North shore. So, okay. uh, but yeah, we can certainly drive. I took it to Bowen Island there a while back, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's relaxing being out on the water. And is that, do you have the inflatable kind? Yeah. Yeah. The inflatable kind. Yeah. yeah. Oh, amazing. And oh, it converts that's... to a kayak. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Amazon. Like we talked about before, <laughs> Amazon. Amazon. <laughs> Amazing. All right. Well, Sean, how can people find out more about what you guys are up to at Metro Vancouver? And then of course, uh, Metro 2050. Yeah. So metrovancouver.org is our website. Uh, you can get all your information on that. Just type in Metro 2050 in the search bar there. Uh, and you can get the information on that. Uh, you'll be seeing us come out to councils in September presenting on Metro 2050. So if you're following your local council and, uh, uh, you see the dates come up, we'll be there and you'll get a taste and flavor of that. And of course, anybody who wants to provide comments and thoughts on the plan, don't hesitate. Uh, all that information is on our website. And, and I'm correct in, in saying that this is kind of where you're, you're looking for feedback on the plan overall at this stage, correct? 
That's correct. It's open right now. It officially referred for comment by the board last uh, in June. So now we're out for a six-month period on uh, comments. Perfect. Well, hey, thanks again for taking the time today, Sean. Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me. Well, there you have it, folks. Our discussion with Sean Galloway from Metro Vancouver. Really enjoyed that conversation with Sean. It was great having him on the program. And uh, interesting song choice. Uh, it's I guess uh, I guess he's really into the '80s, but '80s will be represented for sure on the Kokomo playlist uh, available on Spotify coming soon. Um, Matt, what else do we have for today before we well, wrap? Before we before we cut, I would I would I would like to say uh, for a guy who just had his shot, you sounded pretty good to me. Well, you know what? I didn't feel that good. I gotta say, I'm. Uh, I, 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 I. It was. Uh, there was. There was bad moments there where uh, I think Sean kind of. There was probably moments where he was like, "What's this guy?" Like, wh- there's a real pregnant pause. What he couldn't see was uh, me in a in a yeah. heavy sweat. Um, in the fetal position. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It was, uh, it was a little rough, but I think I could have probably pulled more out of that interview. But, uh, at the end of the day, uh, I think we covered the bases and it was great having Sean on the, on the show. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, uh, before we cut on him, there's a few other things, of course, uh, the Vancouver commercial real estate podcast going strong. Corey Wright is, uh, holding it down over there. Um, and the feedback that podcast is fantastic really excited about about that if you haven't heard the vancouver commercial real estate podcast definitely uh check it out wherever you get your podcast or at vancouver real podcast.com and uh last but not least adam of course vancouver real estate podcast.com this is our website where all things real estate related live things like the live wire this is our weekly mailer where you'll get up-to-date stats before anyone else you'll get the deal of the month You'll get past episodes, pre-sales, commercial pre-sales now, thanks to the Vancouver Commercial Real Estate Podcast. So it's definitely a list you want to be on. There is no reason you don't want to be on the live wire. We also have private client services. And Matt, if you are not using PCS, you are standing still while the rest of us power walk by. You get sold prices, days on market. You basically get realtor level information at your fingertips. It's free. You can sign up on the site, VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. It is absolutely the best way to look for real estate in Vancouver. And uh, Interface Express, private client services, It they just went through a massive facelift. And I mean like uh, Real Housewives of uh, Houston facelift. Um, it, it's, uh, it's, it's dramatic. It's a totally different look. And uh, we appreciate that they've done that. And it's a great way to search for real estate. So definitely sign up on our site. Fantastic. If you want to talk about that or anything else, give me a shout at any time, 778-847-2854 or Matt at VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. Or you can try me at 778-866-4574 or Adam at VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. We also have that Kokomo line and this uh, is for general inquiries. But of course, Adam, we should say we're still looking for you know the everyday investors from people who are just acquiring their first door to people you know, en route to Kokomo, to people who have arrived at Kokomo. If you think you'd be a good fit for a conversation on our show, lessons learned, mistakes made, 
info at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. We'd love to hear from you and uh, hopefully everyone has a good week. Yeah, it's uh, and we've had some amazing people reach out and uh, we will be having uh, some great guests in the future. So looking forward to that. Matt, enjoy your uh, private island in Manitoba and uh, we'll see you back here in uh, in probably, uh, well, whenever you're coming home. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see when <laughs> in undisclosed time as well. Uh, <laughs> all right, talk to you guys later and uh, enjoy your week. Take care. Two thousand faces for radio. Subscribe today. Hey everyone, pardon the interruption. We just want to take a quick minute to thank the following sponsors who make this show possible. We want to take a minute to tell you about Holy House, a nonprofit organization that provides community building programs and tenant support services to low-income seniors, veterans, families, and vulnerable residents in the downtown east side and across the lower mainland. Melissa from our team has been volunteering at Holy House. Melissa, what's been your experience? Honestly, it's been so fulfilling just to spend a few hours a week in the community and watch how the staff really transforms these vulnerable communities from the inside out, starting with just small things, right? Playing games, drinking coffee, having some simple conversations that you wouldn't necessarily think are super fulfilling. And you come out just feeling like you've really made an impact and connected with the community. And you've been to multiple buildings, but you're playing games, drinking coffee. Yeah, you know, serving food sometimes. And you made some friends along the and way. And I've made some friends along the way. It's really helped me be more present, actually, in those moments of just, you know, realizing how simple life can be to make an impact, right? Fantastic. And if you want to learn more, you can definitely check out Jenny Conkin, co-founder of Holy House, who is a past guest fan favorite on the show, or head over to holyhouse.ca where you can donate or volunteer, and they're looking for both donations, and they definitely like volunteers. That's holyhouse.ca. Vancouver needs your help. Be part of the solution. We are also sponsored by Oakland Realty. This is our real estate brokerage, best brokerage in the city, hands down. If you are in the industry, a new agent, an aspiring agent, somebody just looking to make a change, new culture, new energy, new resources, head over to oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. That's oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. Not only do you get to meet Michael Morgan and the gang, the big wigs over at Oakland, you get a huge incentive for first going to oakland.com slash join, typing in VRP 2020.